0: UX Podcast Episode 51. You're listening to UX Podcast brought to you from
1: Stockholm, Sweden. For people passionate about balancing business, technology, and users within the realm of digital media. Helping you break down sinos. Here are your hosts, James Royal Lawson and Pear Axboom.
2: Hello, and welcome to UX Podcast episode fifty-one. You're listening to me, Pear Axboom,
0: and me, James Royal Lawson.
2: It is fifty-one, isn't it?
0: I reckon so. It says fifty-one on my my notes here. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know it's going to be difficult for you because you're jet-lagged.
2: I am extremely jet-lagged, uh, and I've had like an excellent vacation. But it had the worst ending to it with the travels back to Sweden. I must say, it took us almost 40 hours to get from Detroit to Stockholm.
0: I was following. I was following your adventures on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, it, it didn't look fun.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was insane. First, the flight was delayed hour after hour after hour, and finally, then it was actually cancelled, and we had the whole family had to sleep on the airport floor oh. and spend the whole day on in, at the airport again, and then leave again in the afternoon.
0: <laughs> oh. But i'm I'm so impressed that your luggage arrived
2: i i am too actually that i was i thought because we were rebooked on different flights all over all the time but our luggage actually made it at the same time as us to sweden so that was really good impressive
0: Mm. do you know one thing about yeah you've got to be careful what you want to try and do is not let this be your holiday story
2: very true, actually, I, because that this actually hooks into what we were talking about last week with these psychology theories that we're all into these days, with the, mm-hmm. the peak-end theory. I was actually thinking about that. Ooh. So this was the end of the thing, and that was the peak yeah. of the thing, yep. yeah, almost. Well, it yeah, happened. It's, 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 and usually that's what, basically, you mostly remember from it, and that's what you begin talking about. So, yeah, it,
0: it's top yeah. of mind. It's the most recent uh, yeah. memory. It's the most recent adventure yeah. during your holiday. So when someone asks you how your holiday was, mm-hmm. you say, it was fantastic, but... Right, going home, and that's yeah. exactly what you did when I asked you. Well, you yeah, exactly.
2: About. But that, but that's also the fun part to talk <laughs> about, sort of. <laughs> yeah.
0: God, that, hey, hold on. Yeah. That, that must be episode fifty-two or something. This is episode fifty-one, and in this episode, we're going to be talking to Brad Fox Yes, Brad we are. Fost. Excellent. Yeah.
2: And uh Brad, we had Brad also on the last show. We talked about one of his, one of his articles. Yeah, we talked about his articles. We, and yeah. then he, we had some uh, contact with him on Twitter, and uh, you thought it was a good idea to interview him. I thought as well, and he thought as well. So,
0: Well, let's ring him then.
2: All right. Let's go for it. Yeah. Hello. Hello, Brad. Hello, Brad. Hey, how are you? Hey, we're fine. Can you
1: hear me all right? I hear you're great. How I can hear you, Brett. Yeah, I can okay. hear you, Brad. Yeah, perfect. I got. I just got a uh, a new sort of like recording setup for music, and so I'm using that. And uh, this is like my first time playing around with it. So,
0: oh, that's really nice of you. You're going to give us a song as well, Brad. Yes, <laughs> Excellent.
2: <laughs> I'm I'm actually cooped up in, in my bedroom because the kids are outside playing Xbox in the in the living room, and that would be too loud nice
0: and I'm, I'm actually in my office which is in the house in the garden and my kids are cooped up in the cellar playing Skylanders
1: <laughs> nice <laughs> my my kid or should I say my dog is outside and I'm actually if you want to hold on just like a couple of seconds I forgot I left him out there so okay, I'm cool going to bring him back in hang on one sure. second <laughs>
2: So waiting for Brad to retrieve his dog. <laughs> All
1: right, I'm back. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's okay. My dog Ziggy. I mean, he's. I love him, but uh, whenever I'm at my computer, he'll he will come up and just sort of claw at me, and he's like, "Hey, you shouldn't be on your computer right now. You need to be paying attention." to <laughs> me. So I'm like, "Oh, well, maybe you need to go outside." Oh wow, I've got a
0: friend. <laughs> I've got a friend who does a podcast, and and he has um. Bassett um, Hounds, and they they really love being um, in and around when he's doing his podcast. <laughs> oh wow!
1: But he's he's a bit of a yeah, yeah,
0: and and drooly,
2: yeah. <laughs> so excellent that you wanted to be on the show. Yeah, uh, I don't know you. yet what we'll what we'll be talking about. <laughs> we had some ideas of talking about future friendliness, but let's. Uh, I mean, you're based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yep. And uh, I had to check sort of it. That's like 250 miles west of New York or 400 yeah. kilometers. If yes. You, yeah.
1: So it basically take you around six, six and a half hours or something to drive. Well, maybe that between five and a half and six and a half hours to drive west, pretty much straight west. Right. Mm-hmm. From from New York, which I did a lot because actually up until last year, I was living in New York City. So. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I was there for five years, and uh, actually Pittsburgh is, is home, and so it's sort of moving back home, uh, which I'm really happy with that decision. Hmm.
2: So based on the quick research we've done about you, uh, we think alike very much. <laughs> Both Japes and I follow your blog, and I think we've, I mean, last time wasn't the first time we talked about one of your posts. Uh, no, that's not- so Given that we're very similar, I was trying to think about a subject for us all to talk about. And I was looking through the front page of your website and very similar subjects, but the one that caught my mind, or caught my eye rather, was uh, future friendly as one of your services, uh, where you actually say say something about uh, offering future friendliness. I'm going to try and bring it up here actually, because I had it before. Uh, in order to deal with tomorrow's diversity, we must acknowledge and embrace unpredictability as well as think and behave in a future-friendly way. Uh, and just embracing unpredictability and behaving in a future-friendly way, that seems like a kind of a hard thing to do, and I think that's something we all come across. How long have you been doing UX work? Or do you even call yourself a UX designer?
1: Uh yeah actually, I do even though I'm technically a developer, I actually sort of get into these little battle battles with with people about stuff like that just because <laughs> i get I get really annoyed whenever uh whatever people try to silo our disciplines into these very neat, tidy buckets mm-hmm. um, yeah and so the u x designer is technically you know uh historically like an information architect or somebody like that. Um, uh, it, the agency I worked at—they uh, called them interaction designers—but they were basically just making PDFs all day. They were making mm-hmm. you know wireframes in InDesign, and I'm like, "Well, oh, that's not really interaction." Design. <laughs> and yeah. then uh, and then you <laughs> have visual designers, and oh, you're just the people that are you know coloring in the lines, and oh, developers, you're just these techie blah. You know, I, I especially hate the the developer role. Uh, or the title, because really it's just we quote creative people will be over here doing all this you know fancy thinking and stuff, and you're just going to be the the little monkey that actually hooks it all up and makes it work and stuff and so i'm i've that's been the story of my career has been trying to fight against that that sort of developer only as this you know person that you call into a meeting to just say. Yes, this is feasible. No, this isn't feasible. Yes, this is feasible. No, this isn't feasible. And, <laughs> and, and like, seriously, because that's how it works.
0: Yeah, yeah and, no. uh, and I know, with, uh, my legs, I've, I've had a very similar time as well. I mean, I, I spend most of my time you know, crossing these bridges and, and trying to make these silos talk to each other. And um, we actually started the entire podcast just over two years ago um, after being at um, UXLX um, and hearing everyone there just. All these UXs complain about how, you know, theirs is a the perfect silo, and and how all the other silos don't understand them, and they just need mm. to listen to start listening to them, and um, and we thought, my God, with all these silos just sitting there thinking they're perfect, we've got to start crossing them over
1: and really yeah, blowing them. Yeah, and, it's ridiculous. It's yeah, totally it's, 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 yeah, it's it's really ridiculous. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I can, I consider myself a UX designer, even though I'm, you know, I'm the person doing like HTML and stuff and CSS. Right but it's i'm creating an experience or i'm creating something that a user will experience right i'm creating something yeah. mm-hmm. that someone will interact with and enjoy and whatever mm-hmm. and what i'm doing is actually constructing that so i i i do think that there's you know uh pretty much anyone involved in a project can, can call themselves a ux designer so mm-hmm. uh,
2: I like that's that actually. Sick. I, I yep. mean as long as you're concerned about what the user thinks and what they well, experience. That's, yeah.
1: that's exactly it. Yeah. I mean even even project managers and stuff. And I, and again like I, s- I see that a lot where it's, it, everyone tries so hard to to put up these walls and it's like, you know what? We should all just be thinking like this.
0: Yeah. Because you should I mean, you
1: I,
2: should be thinking about the end product, not what role you're <laughs> playing currently. Precisely. Yeah.
0: Precisely. Yeah. I think there's also this degree of, degree of honesty that we're, we spend, an lot, a lot awful lot of people in different roles spend far too much time not really being honest about what they're doing and what they're producing and just getting on with doing it because, well, life's easier if you just produce that code or you, you do those wireframes or just deliver that document. Yep. Um, and yep. standing up and, and doing something about it, um, now that's, that's a difficult path to take.
1: It is, and I I've, I like to uh, joke around about how I feel like my, my career path has basically been a, a salmon swimming upstream, a, a waterfall <laughs> process. Uh, it's really <laughs> difficult to do, but basically, you know, especially with a lot of the uh, sort of, like, responsive work and just getting people to care about that, it first began with the people, you know, earlier in the process, in the assembly line. Yeah, so the visual designers have to convince them and then go on to convince the information architects and then eventually convince like, the project managers and stuff and then eventually sitting in front of clients and stuff. So it's, it's been a long... Yeah. Hard battle and stuff, but yeah, it is. It's, it's you know it's something that we need to we need to do is you know just convince everyone and and, and help everyone stay on track. And I, I I can't even count the amount of times where I've just had stuff thrown over the fence to me stuff that they're like here just build this and I'm like this is a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like wow you're really mean brad and it's like no i mean seriously like <laughs> hey how did it get this far and it, and it is it's because <laughs> it's because people you know want to do their job and nothing nothing more you know they don't want to rock the boat and stuff like that and in order to to do really good work i do think that you need to to challenge people and you need to uh really again like break out of your own discipline in order to uh, to To work with people that in in other disciplines uh yeah. it's it's not very fun if you're just sort of sitting in your own little bucket that's for sure
0: yeah. i I quite often well half yeah. joke about the fact that every every time you need to every project every deliverable almost is is more of an education project that you you yeah. have to educate more than deliver um yeah. And that's that's just been the. I mean, I say I half I half joke about it because it it is like that. Every time I stand up and present something or you know explain a, a, something I'm delivering to a client, it's um it's mostly passing on knowledge rather than implementing a solution because it doesn't really work unless they've really understood why and what you're doing.
1: Absolutely, and that's I mean I would say that that sort of sums up where I've been going with my career has been moving more into this. Well, how do I make it? really easy to get this point across or how do i make it easy to you know bundle up all these resources under one roof or how do i do you know how do i demonstrate these patterns in a way that people are mm. going to get them or something and and it is it's all about education because you know the, the context of a specific project is going to change but um part of where i was at 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 the agency I was working for, which is RGA. Um, I was there oh. in, in New York for a long while. Um, and part of what made my role great was that I, I wasn't stuck on one project. I sort of floated between uh, a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I was able to sort of see the common problems, the common sort of roadblocks or the common sort of misunderstandings or whatever that, that people would run into and what that did was sort of provided me this very bird's eye perspective of what people are struggling with and as a result i was able to sort of you know make resources and make uh you know uh decisions and stuff that extended beyond the scope of just a single project right yeah. it wasn't like i'm just solving the problem that's right in front of my face you're mm-hmm. you're like okay well what's What's really going on here? You know, what's what's the big misconception here? Um, so it's it's been really nice to have that perspective, and that's definitely influenced the kind of stuff that I work on. Mm. But so Why you, does this you happen gone? over sorry,
2: and over Pat. again? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering. I mean, I think we all three three of us have had the same type of experience that we have to educate the client all the time, and we're finding new ways to. Do that, and I'm using a lot of sketches and, and visual presentations nowadays to do exactly the same thing. But it would be nicer if I didn't have to spend all that time explaining why I'm doing this stuff. Because often the the problem, the basic problem, is that the client don't even have an answer to the simple question of why are we doing this.
1: Yep, exactly. So we yep. really, we
2: have to go back and educate them about their own business, not only about our own work that we do for them and that's really
0: surprising to me yeah business consultants to help them uh, alter their internal organizations (laughs) uh, first before you can actually produce something
1: no absolutely and i think that you especially run into that stuff with these with big brands or something or people that are well, it's 2013, and so now we have a, a chunk of money, and so we're going to redesign our site again. <laughs> and it's just it's yeah. that, that question of why doesn't get asked uh, often enough. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, I think there are lots of tools and, and stuff that we can do to, uh, and just even images. Uh, for example, I made an image or a series of three images that I've used in a lot of my presentations, but I ended up throwing it up on my blog because I said, This, for me, has saved me so many words and has convinced people and and sort of got the point across better than than any sort of speech could could give. But it's basically just three images and it says, you know, this is not the web with a picture of just like a desktop, uh, you know, old crusty desktop. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I've seen
2: those pictures. And then it's
1: like, yeah, and then it's like, this is the web and it's like, Mm. you know, smartphones, dumb phones, e-readers, tablets, like all sorts of stuff. And then it's like, this will be the web with, like, a bunch of question marks and, and stuff. And the whole idea, again, is, is you know, that just showing those three images in quick succession is like, it, it's like, oh, okay, I get it. I get why we're even in this room talking about why we need to address this or, mm-hmm. you know, why we're even talking about responsive design or why we're talking about, you know, what's next is because, you know, things have changed and and i get that proceed um so so yes just just doing like little stuff like that just like producing a quick series of little images and stuff have gone a long way for me so
0: this um i think one of the one of the well problem or big issues that we've got in the entire branch i mean okay we're three guys now talking that that have understood you know we're we're, we're we're members of the chosen few that you know understand about you know performance, responsive design, or or like carousels don't work, or you know, whatever subject subject we want to pick up on. Um, but yeah, you know, as we just said, lots and lots of places are doing this wrong, or their organisations can't cope with it, or they they can't see the forest because of the trees. Uh, mm-hmm. One one of the reasons I think uh, is because this it's so easy to do web stuff and. There's so many businesses out there that their entire product is doing stuff easy, yeah. um, without all the care, the attention, the, the you know the management to detail that we we know delivers. Mm. Yep. And how how can we come over that? How can we bridge those two worlds? Yeah, the quick book, the quick solution to the 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 company that buys that quick solution, and then those of us who know that doesn't really cut it. I've actually yeah.
2: had clients who have uh, well. Mostly in the past, mostly in the late 90s they had always had a relative or a niece or a nephew who could do this stuff. well my <laughs> nephew could do this uh website or whatever, but i've actually come across that late, later on as well when doing campaigns that we that hire like a student to do some flash stuff or something like that because it 's much cheaper mm-hmm. and as long as you don 't know why you're doing it, it does, you don 't even care what it costs. you just know they need a flash presentation
1: sure yeah no i I, I think that I think that what what you're talking about is is something that's that's extremely extremely important, and I see it uh, come to the head more and more. Which is like how do how do we how do we bridge that that world of you know plug and play turnkey solutions, the things that all these companies like to sell so much. Like how do we make tools? How do we make you know methodologies and and stuff like that that uh, take a lot of the the hard work out of it but still don't get in the way of you doing uh really good work properly uh like i see a lot of um i guess um the things that i i'm working on now i'm working on this that this pattern lab uh thing which is uh mm. Which Which is trying to do that, which is basically it's what it is is it's not like a solution it's not here's your website and you could skin it however you want, and here's like all these different components and you could combine them uh, however you want. The idea is it's more like a framework uh, for like stitching together your own interface but that but what I'm really cognizant about in making this tool is not to not to influence how you want to create your own site So all the HTML all the CSS all the JavaScript all like the all the stuff that your' that your website's made of you still have full control over it. there's like no dependencies you could write code as crappy or as great as you want um, it but but really all this thing is doing all my my framework is doing is is making it easy for you to sort of stitch together uh, this interface and stitch together um, you know, create your own like pattern library and stuff like that. Uh, but I see that also with, with tools like, have you, have you guys seen like uh jet strap? Um, yeah. or so maybe is that the tool that is
2: made up made, f- well, based on bootstrap, but you yeah. pull things in, yeah. it's like right, a side exactly. filter, but but based on bootstrap, right?
1: Right, precisely. Yeah. And so, so that's what, what I like about that. Um, Is that it's this very easy, very drag and drop. You double click on the text, and you could change the buttons, and you could change the size, and you know you could reorder things and stuff. But you're actually manipulating like real HTML ultimately, right? Mm -hmm. So it's very very realistic. And as far as like getting a quick prototype up and running um to to show someone you know here's what we're thinking or whatever like that's a great idea and what it does is it so it doesn't dumb down you know what's ultimately being created you're not like creating like a, like a drawing of a website you are actually creating you're you're manipulating an actual website mm. but they they have provided this this you know this UI for you to sort of quickly and easily drag things onto the screen and reorder them and stuff like that. And so, so that I think that like that, the, that's the kind of thing that I'm getting excited about where it's like, how do we, you know, make it easier for people to construct web experiences to, you know, do their wireframes to do their job a lot better without having to go through all the tedium of, of like manual, you know code and every time I want an unordered list I'm going to have to write all that stuff from scratch like I do like the idea of like you yeah. know giving people like a, a better starting point but still give people the flexibility and the power to like get under the you know get under the hood and and really do things the way that they mm-hmm. they want to do them
2: I'm I'm really loving bootstrap these days I'm using bootstrap a lot for prototypes and I'm realizing how much it bringing it closer to something that looks like the end product Makes it so much easier to communicate both with developers and with with the client, uh, so I'm all for that. But yeah. then it, there's always the next step of actually building the site as well yep. and making it optimized and and streamlined and whatever. And sometimes there is so much belief in that what is the prototype is something that you can just take and just modify a bit and that will be the final product. Right. And, right. and that's what I sort of am see, seeing is the danger in the products that I'm I'm participating in right now is that. They don't see how far we have left because there's a lot to a lot to go, or yeah. ways to go after that as well.
1: Yeah, and It's like wow, it looks like we're done. We yeah. have, <laughs> yeah, no, not really. Um, but yeah, and, and I think that that is, that is that's certainly again something that requires education where it's you know, where it's, listen we're showing you this this prototype and stuff like that yes it is working yes we're showing active states yes we're able to click from page to page and stuff and that's so 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 much better and more effective than you know printing out a, a you know 90 page pdf of like here's what your website's going to be <laughs> um with the with all the annotations right that are just so verbose it's amazing Mm -hmm. um so so yeah like that definitely gets us a lot a lot closer and stuff but then you know but then ultimately yes you have to build the thing for real um but you know i'll take i'll take a prototype and an explanation over you know intentionally dumbing down things on paper just so that whenever we build (laughs) the thing we are only building it once right so
0: yeah. Yeah. and this, is, and then we've still. After all this, we've got the next phase, which is you know, websites need to be run. They have to be taken and lived with after yep. you've done a new design, a, a new um, you know skin to it all, or bunged it into a new tool. Yeah. Um. And and that's oh, that's often where they they start to fall down and fall down rapidly. Um, right. And maybe maybe the t- maybe the um, the frameworks will will help us you know, take a s- little step beyond that as well, and by by. Standardizing or re- reusing a lot more, um, maybe it will make it slightly easier to maintain sites and keep them running and tweak them instead of rebuilding them.
1: Right. Well. Well. So. So. And. And. This is where something where it's it's one thing to talk about frameworks um, as a prototyping tool and stuff, and I'm I'm all for that. I I do. I shy away from it for like production builds and stuff, just because. Uh, you know, think. <laughs> like, some of the clients I've worked with in the past, like like Nike isn't going to make like a bootstrap site for like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's, yeah. it's like, so, um, but uh, Dave Rupert has this, had this great post uh, talking about responsive deliverables and he worked on uh, Microsoft.com and, um, and he was talking about how we need tiny bootstraps for every client. Right. So the idea is no longer, you know, here's your page templates and I'm going to run away and see you next year or whatever. Uh, the idea is that we now need to deliver these full on, you know, like component libraries and, you know, uh, commented code. And, uh, you know, here's how you use this stuff. Here it is in context and all this. And, and, and I totally love that idea of, you know, yeah, we have to live with these websites and the clients have to live with the websites, the organizations have to live with them. And what better way than to actually, instead of just throwing them over some final, you know, code or whatever, let's actually deliver them this full on system that's nice and extendable. Um, You know, they can they could take it and run with it and maintain it and, um, you know, pass it off to different people and everyone will be brought up to speed uh, Mm -hmm. instead of just this like sort of like black box like mm. okay here's your homepage, here's your contact page here's your checkout page like whatever um we need we need to get a lot more sophisticated than that and that's why again you know the the tools that i'm working on now are trying to sort of you know, venture into those waters
0: yeah. i think that's great and also there's then we we come back into the whole honesty thing again and that uh, organizations themselves need to be honest about whether they can they can deal with these yeah you know, frameworks and systems and and so on that we're we're presenting to them um it's too easy for them to say, yeah, yeah, no, we can no just bring it on, we'll do that, and then and, you know they they can't actually cope internally with um with with you know using it and, and getting on with it
1: yeah yeah,
0: so it'd be better for them to say, no, hold on, I think this is a step too far um so you know dumb down or back back go back a step and go okay, well in that case we'll we'll do this because we think this is more achievable for you right now. And, you know, because this is a good groundwork that we're laying, maybe in a year we, we can revisit this a bit and we can take the next step when you've matured a bit more organizationally. And, you know, then we can implement the rest.
1: Yeah. Uh, a post I just posted yesterday was um, sort of introducing this concept um, to, to just because to, a lot of people, again, education, they don't understand that they don't just need another redesign, that they need, you know, this to think of things as, as more like a systematic sort of approach. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just wrote something called um, uh, interface inventory. Okay. And, and the whole idea is like basically the steps you take to create an interface inventory. So you take whatever your client's site is and then just start screenshotting the crap out of it and <laughs> sort of clumping them into, into like different buckets and stuff. So it's like, here's our button styles and here's our form styles and here's right. our breadcrumbs and here's her tabs and here's her accordions and whatever. But basically you're, you're deconstructing the interface, their existing interface yeah, in, into uh, like a keynote, like presentation or something. Uh, and the whole, the whole idea is to sort of show uh, <laughs> a lot of like the inconsistencies that arrive whenever like we just treat things as like pages or mm. whatever, or, or have 17 agencies working on the website or just you know seven different teams and stuff it's staggering like how quickly you know everything can um can fall out of whack and um i use my bank as an example which is just all over the place like i i I screenshotted a bunch of their buttons and it's just it they have like a hundred thousand different button styles that are all similar but (laughs) Not, no two are the mm. same. Um, yeah, and, that, and I, it's, I think
0: it's great. It's, it's a great example of that picture on the blog post. Um, right, right. <laughs> well, it makes me laugh, but then, you know, some people are right. going to go,
1: uh, what's the problem? Right. <laughs> uh, no, I know. I think that anybody would, anybody would acknowledge that as a problem. But 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 the thing is, is that like, you, like you were just saying, is like from an organizational standpoint, like this is the kind of stuff that you could put in front of them and say, here's where we're at. This You can look at this picture in, of a of hundred different button styles and realize that, yeah, we probably should, you know, do something about this. We should probably have some guidelines. We should probably, you know, think of things in a more systematic way. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it, it really, like something, a tool like this, like a, you know, a technique like this is more or less just, just to educate, right? Just to yeah. get people on the same page to convince them that like yeah we don't we just don't want to go down yet another redesign path again like for for no good reason other than you have a little money to spend mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, like, to, I
2: like that because it sounds like it's an activity that anyone could get started with quite soon it doesn't take a whole lot of time but it's really right. enlightening for the whole organization about right what's going on right but also the way- you'd want to create something that perhaps not not only the people within the organization could use but that other suppliers could use. Because that's a problem I sometimes run into that when I'm hired by a larger organization, I don't get the tools that, that allow me to access the CSS files and stuff. So I can't create the exact... I can go visually and look at the stuff and look that they probably mean like that and I can create something similar, but I don't get the tool set that would, right. that would help me to actually do it exactly the way they want to or, right. or the way they should want me to.
1: Right, right. So and that, that's, that's
2: what you're really... Uh, getting to when you're uh, providing this tool I think.
1: Yeah and that's well yeah and I'm working on some other stuff that's (laughs) trying to address that too Uh, just because uh, again you know I've I've worked with a lot of brands that work with a lot of different agencies a lot Mm -hmm. of different third party vendors a lot of different but even just internally people come and go and they take the knowledge with them. They know where the latest files are and stuff like that. It's right. it's amazing how much of a, a you know of an ordeal it is just to just to even get like a PST or just to get a style guide or just to get it's like locked up in like you know Final underscore version two underscore four print underscore you know four printer underscore version two dot PDF and it's like oh yeah it's in page. 14 of that, everybody knows that. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's amazing, like, how, how disorganized these organizations could be. And so yeah. I think that, I think that in order to do really sound work, um, you know, web work and stuff, especially uh, with these organizations that are just so big, you you need those guidelines. You need those those starter PSDs. You need those component libraries in order for you to know, what you're working with, how things should be done, but also you know to get an idea of like where you might be able to like bend the rules you know like i see I see a lot of this like systematic design and style guides and stuff like that, not as like here's exactly how you do things all the time but but rather you know as like a good baseline of like here's where we're at um you know we we do have some flexibility hopefully to like you know do some some really, uh, you know, innovative things and stuff. Like, you shouldn't only be limited to, you know, what we have in our style guide or pattern library or whatever and just arrange them a certain way. That's that's not terribly fun. Um, But at the same time, like, just to know the difference between, you know, making something intentionally different Versus totally <laughs> unintentionally different yeah. I think is is yeah. is a really important uh, point to get across
0: and I think it's um you you can't start so, too soon or too small with this I mean even if you 're a small organization i've um, one thing i 've done over the years with with small clients who maybe just want a WordPress site with a standard template is i I make sure I, I encourage educate them <laughs> I yeah. educate them about. Keeping track of their little style guide, even if they don't have an official style guide or brand guidelines. I mean, most of them have some kind of logo, or there's a there's a font they use generally, or there's some kind yeah. of colors that they've chosen. So I I make sure I kind of get them to write up somewhere. You know, that's that's a hex that's a hex code for your color. Um, you know, then this is you know roughly what we do with a logo and how much space we use, and and yeah. help them understand that. You know, when you open that Twitter account, and uh, maybe you're not doing it now, but you're going you know, to open it up, then. Choose this color as the background color, or, or get used to picking that color, so you get some consistency. Because mm. the, the amount of these small clients, they you, you see it quite a lot that they'll have like five thousand shades of red because um, oh, totally. they just thought it's red, and they don't really understand how you be consistent. So, yeah. so small and large, it's 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 never wasted time to kind of have a have a central mm. place where you keep the details to help you be consistent.
1: Yep,
2: isn't this also, gentlemen, actually? a nice segue into future-friendliness that this is actually the baseline (laughs) for making it future-friendly having something in place (laughs) you you don't want you don't want to really spend time on all this i mean the amount of time you spend on actually trying to find those documents with the version 2 underscore 3.6 that's time could be spent doing so much more things that would be better for the user experience but actually having the baseline of something that is a guide and then regardless of technology in the future you'd go back to the guide and see how that fits and how you could actually develop that with the future technology that is existent whenever
1: right exactly and, and i think that this is a, a lot of this stuff reflects the fact that you can't control the technology landscape you just can't yeah um and nobody knows where it's going to go and then so it really begs the question is like well what can you control Well, you can control your own stuff. Mm. And so this is what we're doing. We're trying to make it easier for people to control their own stuff, to have a better idea of, you know, what the organization is, what it does, who they're trying to reach. Um, Because those things are, are, you know, aren't going to change, hopefully. I mean, like, you know, your audience and stuff might over time, but like, but, you know, Today it's iOS apps today. it's Android apps today's you know it's it's a, a standard website and you know really, who knows what sort of stuff we're going to be making mm. just a couple years from now. but having that inventory, having that you know strong sense of like this is our red and this is our tone of voice like I'm sure you guys have seen um like voice and tone on MailChimp. Yep. yeah yep. Um, yep. just having mm. having that sort of stuff today just absolutely prepares you for whatever's in store
2: and i think that's really important to stress what you were touching upon there like it's not only style but it's also like microcopy the little this this, how you say stuff how the error messages should be presented Uh, but but
1: even just again like what is our company what does it stand for what are our values like what are our things and it's like it is it's amazing how many people don't
0: have that stuff in place. It's mm. it's crazy. So, um, but I, I've, um, I've I've said to a few clients recently uh, about well, you know, every single web page needs to have a goal. <laughs> and they go, what? Everyone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because if not, why is it there? Just, oh, no, but that's just too difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy.
2: <laughs> how how else can we measure? Well, we measure whatever. How many people visit the site?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, I think we probably time for us to wrap up, isn't it, Pat? I think so. There yeah. is
2: one question I had from Brad, and that has to do with his avatar. Because I was ah. really curious about, is there a story behind this the space uh, helmet? Yeah. Because I know that Luke Roblewski has a space helmet. So I was yeah. like, is there a meme going on here that I don't know, know about? <laughs>
1: yeah so uh so a few of us got together um outside of Nashville uh, around the breaking development conference uh This is now almost two years ago, I think um but it was basically uh a bunch of people that all care about the web and and sort of where things are going and all you know all these different mobile devices and stuff like that and so we all got together uh to discuss these things um in this in this house. Um, and the result of that, uh, sort of little retreat was the future friendly manifesto, which is, which is online now, which is right. all the names that are all
0: the undersigns. All mm. oh, right. Huh? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so, so what ended up happening, the story of the helmet is that at this house, it just happened to be this astronaut helmet there. <laughs> just happened to be. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was, it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty, uh, <laughs> Uh, fortuitous there but uh but yeah so that sort of became the de facto sort of like icon for the whole thing which was pretty appropriate because we ended up calling it future friendly um and so so yeah so that's that's why uh luke and jeremy keith and uh, a few others have their uh space helmet avatars we actually just created a um uh a united pixel workers uh future friendly helmet t-shirt and all the all the proceeds are going to uh, archive.org helping them back up oh, the absolutely. internet and nice. stuff like so, that. I had yeah, no idea yeah. about yeah. this.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, wow. that's that's something I'm going to have to bug huh?
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah, so so that's the story behind it. And I I really like it. I like having uh uh you know, my professional headshot be uh, a <laughs> picture of <laughs> me in a helmet. <Elvis. laughs> I, th-
0: I think most of us most of us have got a little astronaut somewhere inside us. Oh
1: yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> But it, uh, that's what I do. I love. I love. I love that about uh, you know being future friendly is that it is something that I think a lot of people can just understand. You know, whenever I explain it to clients or I can explain it to other people, they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. expect that things are going to change, and you know, uh, make things as, as you know friendly for whatever's you know meant you know coming down the pipes like that makes perfect sense so i yeah. uh, i do i love that it's it's pretty accessible so mm. excellent
2: excellent that's an excellent note to end on as well cool
0: yeah well thanks for having
2: me again oh, thank this you for great. giving us your
0: time
1: yeah yeah, thanks, no, no yeah
0: i think we could we could have you on every week
2: yes i think so
1: as well <laughs> well feel free to give me a call in a couple <laughs> weeks i'll be happy to. do it. Great. great uh what time is it over there is it it is 11.11 11 on July 11th. Wow, I just oh, looked up at my cool. computer. Cool. <laughs> oh, wow. That's like ultimate wish-making stuff right there. Huh? A binary end. Yeah.
2: Excellent. Okay, then have a good lunch. And, all right, uh, yeah. We'll let you know when we post
0: the show.
1: Okay, all right. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. Thanks very much, Brad. Thank, Thank you. All right, hey, thanks a lot, guys. Take care. You yeah, too. Take care. bye okay. right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye
2: excellent i think that was great talking to brad uh and That's that was so fun. funny about the story about the helmets because i was i sort of wanted to start off talking about future friendliness with we talked about so much other stuff and then all of a sudden <laughs> the helmets had something to do with future friendliness which was really really quite funny we, we had a half
0: hour intro to what you wanted to talk yes. about <laughs> i think so but I, I think we did quite a right there and not turning it into a love fest because uh, as um what we've realized is that brad is is He's on the same track as us. Yes. I mean, he's, he's got a lot of um, you know, same ideas, understandings, mm-hmm. and hopes and dreams about what we can do um, with this wonderful world of web and digital. Um, and he's, you know, but he sits a little bit more on the developer side than us, Yeah, um, which, is a, which is an excellent um, oh, insight. Exactly. Uh, additional insight.
2: Um, and the concept of anyone calling themselves a UX designer, I like that, actually. Mm, that, we, that's what's happened. I mean, there are a few of us who call ourselves UX designers that actually have any sort of formal
0: education. Mm. We, we touched on the whole title of UX, didn't we, um, a, well, a few episodes ago? Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things we basically came to conclusion on that I mean, doesn't really exist, does it? It's, um, we're, we're all doing UX to a degree, mm. um, we're just doing other things under the umbrella yep. of UX. Mm. Um, when it boils down to it, we all just need to get along. I think so. To quote Jack Nicholson. Um, um, <laughs> <laughs> From what movie? Why can't we all just get along? <laughs> um.
2: <laughs> okay, so the next challenge is for us to record the next episode while you're away on vacation.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to be out of the country next time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. we've. Uh, I've been oh. assured I've got internet. So we'll, um, well, hopefully that will work.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it usually does in some way. Sure, we can. It's all it's all sticky tip and string. We'll work it out. Yes. Yeah.
2: Okay. Um, I think um, I, he- I heard your kids shouting in the background. Yeah, I, I,
0: are... I think they're still <laughs> on the property. Uh, yeah. I, I can still hear them, so they're not too far away. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to go and um, salvage them from whatever mischief they're getting up to um, while I'm recording <laughs> this with you.
2: <laughs> okay, excellent. Uh, to our listeners, rem- remember to keep moving. And see you on the other
0: side.
1: You've been listening to UX Podcast with James Royal Lawson
0: and Pear Axeboom. Visit uxpodcast.com for more
2: episodes and to subscribe to the show. UX Podcast, moving the
1: conversation beyond UX.